Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey, hey, buddy, how are you? There we go. <laughs> yes! Fuck yes! Joe! Technology is wonderful. Oh, my God. I am so freaking happy right now. Te- technology is a wonderful thing. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. You know, whatever. You know, what's crazy is um, it was always such a pain in the ass to make things happen with guests prior to the pandemic. This like has allowed, I, I don't know. It just has made the world easier to do things. It seems like, I don't think we'll go back. Do you? No, no, I don't. And, you know, especially with this, uh, you know, with the, the younger the people are, the uh, less social skills that they have. So, you know, you know, it just is like, uh, yeah, we'll never go back. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate because you know, you miss that live face-to-face interaction. You can't, uh, you can't read, you know, tone, emotion, or anything like that into it. It's all just, all you just see is the tops of people's heads because they're buried in their damn phones. Have you had um, any uh, in, in your job and in, in the pandemic? Have you had any moments where you've left your camera on or something stupid happened or anything like that? No, I, I, oh. I. Uh, I am keenly aware of leaving leaving stuff on. You don't. That's 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 not a good thing. Did you did you see that story about Jeffrey Tubin, the 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 uh, that that one writer, the CNN guy? <laughs> yeah, but see, he did that on purpose. You know, we did. <laughs> I mean, who thinks that that's a good idea? I'm on a work call. You know, I I think I'll uh, I think I'll uh, flog the dolphin. A little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, well, that's you, a really good point you made. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a really um, good one. Joe, it was, uh, it was April of 1998 when, uh, I, I, I left you in a huff and I, you know, I, it's, it's just stupid. Um, I, 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 I can't go back and say, Hey, uh, what, what happened there or, or whatever. And it wasn't anything that any one person did, but if I could go back at age with my 51 mentality, back to my 28 year old mentality, I was like, oh, you know, fucking life is too short to be pissed off at people all the time. So, you know, I just, I just wanted you to know that I, 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 I wish I, I'd never, you know, it's, it's, it was just stupid immaturity on everybody's part. You know, I mean, Everybody was stupidly immature those days, you know, and, you know, we, uh, we, you know, apologize and we move on. Right. Exactly. You look the same. Uh, what, what, what are you doing? I mean, how, how is that even possible? You're, you're, you've, you've, you're 28 years older, but you look the fucking same. Well, I, I, uh, well, I had a couple of strokes in April, so and, I, I, and that's and that's just getting people caught up. You you did you had a health issue where you had you, you started to stroke out. 
Well, yeah, and I didn't even know it. Um, I uh, worked out. I uh, My wife was yelling at me to move some trees in the backyard. So I moved some trees, and all of a sudden my hand, and uh, my right uh, hand, you know, went a little funny, and my right leg went a little funny, and it is like, hey, you know, this isn't right. So I go into the hospital, I wait 40 minutes in the waiting room, and they tell me I have a couple of strokes. Wow. How do they how do they figure that out? Is it through like a blood test or do they do like no, MRI? I think it's like the lack of movement in my in my right hand. <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Now, thank God you caught that because I have a friend in radio. His name's Dave Jackanette. Used to work with me here in West yeah. Michigan. Who ignored all of that and. He, it didn't kill him, but oh my God, uh, you know, it. I've read that if you are able to, I don't know what they do to you in particular if they did that to you, but uh, people can be kind of pulled out of that, that nosedive in a particular way if you catch it early enough. Yeah, well, mine, I didn't, mine didn't go that far. Mine lasted about 40 minutes and just like, okay, that was normal. So I, so I, I sit in the, I sit in the hospital for a couple of days and, uh, uh, six days, and then they they do one cat cardioid artery cleaning, uh, where they just like touch your arteries out and they clean them up. And wow. uh, amazingly enough, uh, next uh, this Wednesday, uh, I get the other one done. So holy shit! Now, do they just go in through you? What 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 do they go in through? They don't. They cut your. They cut oh. your. Uh, they cut you right there. Shit! So yeah, they're like, got, it's like cleaning a fish. Yeah. Well, it's clean. It's unclogging a pipe. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. They'll, so they'll uh, they'll uh, put me under and uh, they'll uh, cut me open and take out my carotid, my right carotid artery, and uh, and uh, I'll have have uh, you know the the crazy thing about the carotid artery surgery is. It irritates your nerves, so it gives you the impression that you it that you that you had some strokes. <laughs> so you talk like this for a while. Yeah. I've just been able. I think I can when I stick my tongue out. I think I can <laughs> stick it out straight now. But, <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah, but you're getting there. You're getting there. I'm getting there. But see, yeah, so now this other side, when they irritate the nerves, you'll be just. Yeah, right. So and you'll be normal, but you know, the funny thing is, is I went back to work a couple of days after the, you know, I'm on the phone, I'm talking like this, I'm all talking loud, blah, 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 <laughs> all over the place. Holy they, shit. They think you're pissed off, but you're just, I'm trying to talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because, Joe, there's a, there's a lot of things I want to touch on. Um, when we worked in radio, we were the very we were at the uh, the crest of the wave from when radio went from mom and pop ownership uh, ownership ownership. Oh my god! It sounds like I just had a stroke. No, ownership. Actually, actually, it's closer to the truth. Yeah. <laughs> mom and pop ownership um, to when companies with the uh, uh, Telecommunication Act in the yeah. mid nineties uh, deregulating it. Um, what an unbelievable contrast in how radio was done when it was just a mom and pop thing to we've seen both sides of it, you know? Yeah. yeah and corporate radio hasn't done anybody any favors. You know, it's, it's, you know, 
you radio is you unfortunately they they the you know with the corporations they put the bean counters in charge and you know what the only thing that could save radio is is going back to the to to where it was and being local but the bean counters you know they don't you know you get the one guy that does the five voice tracks in six markets and you know or in in this market you got you got four or five station ownerships and they do a uh, they do a broad you know uh, the same person does the middays on one station the afternoon on the other and night on the other you know radio is like a, a personal you know a personal medium and when you lose that I mean see the great thing about like when we were doing the show it was like a personal medium you know I mean people knew us. We talked about local stuff. We didn't right. talk about, you know, people like local. I think that that that's a great point. And I think that when the way we the way it was done back then was you had a person on manning the station all hours of the day, night, seven days a week. And I think that was the beginning of the end when they started at overnights on the weekend and just slowly whittled it away till now. If you were to look at the on-air lineup of any radio station in New York City, there's three people that work there. We had like 15 to 20 people that worked at the radio station on the air. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, and it it just made it more personal, you know. It just, they talk, you know, you get these, you know, you get these corporate PDs that, think that they're smarter than everybody else. And really all they like to do is just, you know, well, I'm not going to say <laughs> um, corporate, no. PDs, you know, they just, you know, they, they like the power. I remember uh, before I was lucky enough to get the job at Z93, I discovered the radio station and I had come from Detroit and I knew that there was big personalities in Detroit. And I thought, well, um, and I, I heard, I heard, Two Men and a Babe in the morning. I heard Connie Shilke middays. I heard Tim Hartley afternoons. I heard Rick Ellis at night, and I heard Doug Doug Brooker on the overnight. And I went, wow, what a lineup. And I can still remember the lineup to this day because it all meant something to me. You know what right. I mean? So it was kind of like I, I, uh, I gravitated to the station because of it kind of fulfilled. I thought, oh, well, this is cool. We've got that type of radio here in northern Michigan or, or I guess mid-Michigan. Um, so that, that was cool. And, um, you know, then getting a part-time job there on the overnight, I was, I couldn't believe it. I, to this day, get excited and chills thinking about, oh my God, I'm on this 39,000 watt, 50,000 watt equivalent radio station. Here I am making five bucks an hour. I couldn't be more excited than right now. And I remember you were one of the, you were the first person, you were the first person I interacted with. I walked into that mobile home and I sat there. Do you remember Becky, the one who would work the front desk? Yes. Oh my God. She was, this was at a time when you could, you could flirt with people and they're like, Oh, Oh Joe, knock it off. Quit grabbing my ass. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I did that with Becky. I think I was, Becky was like life problems, Becky. <laughs> you know, there's a- always there's always one person in the office that has a plethora of life problems. It's like they walk around with a cloud over their head. You know, their their car got stolen in the morning, and their kid ran away from home the night before. Oh yeah, and by the way, she's got diverticulitis or whatever. <laughs> 
you know, it's, yeah, that was, that was her. So, okay. Off I go. Now, uh, years later, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm making my way in and I actually had a notion after several years of the radio station that I'm going to be here for the rest of my life and I couldn't be happier. And that, and that was fine. I was, I was actually content with that. I enjoyed it. Um, then there was the, the day, the Mike Ferris incident, who I talk with Mike still to this day. This was the single most epic thing I've ever witnessed in my entire life when it comes to drama at a radio station. And I, I still mention it to him, and he still laughs to this day about it. So will you go down that road with me? Yeah, why not? Okay, good. Okay. Because so, I wasn't even I wasn't even there for it. No, all I did, all I did was was the 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 morning after I get a call. Hey, could you bring a vacuum cleaner to the station? <laughs> okay, so now you got to understand. Joe has at this point he's already turned his life around. Uh, Joe was a is a drunk, and so am I. And uh, in fact, when I stopped drinking, Joe was a big part of helping me recover. I mean, Joe Joe. Um, uh, when I was at the Joe and the poor boy, four men scramble to benefit Easter seals is the last day I drank. It was June of 1996. I don't remember the date, but, uh, it was bad, you know? And so, um, you know, Joe was, um, a big, a big help for me in, in getting better. So Joe was also a big help for our pal, Mike, who was the boss. Now, Mike was a fucking ball breaker, you know, and he, he didn't, he didn't like fucking around or anything like that. And, uh, he was, you know, a little bit short tempered. One day the radio station had great ratings and, they, and I don't, I don't know anything about ratings, but I walk up to the radio station and everybody's having a ratings party cause they did well. And, and Mike Thomas got his general manager, got rest his soul and everybody's yeah. drinking, drinking champagne and having a good time. And, and a, a friend of Joe's and mine, a guy by the name of Rick church, who's now in Florida. He, I remember him saying to me, Hey, uh, poor boy, because that's was my name. I go, yeah. He goes, I because th- he hadn't been there very long. He goes, I think that Ferris guy is getting a little frisky <laughs> <laughs> with Char. Now, Char was a sales executive. She's a really nice lady, cute. And uh, and I go, huh? What are you talking about? I go, yeah, I, I got a feeling there's something going on. And I, I, I didn't even pay attention to it. Um. Everybody leaves. I walk out into that area where the Becky, the, the receptionist would work. And I look out that window and there's another building where the salespeople were like sales executives would work. It's another mobile home. It's a second mobile home. Right. They just brought in they they figured we needed salespeople. So they brought in a second mobile, no bathrooms or anything, just another <laughs> mobile home. You had to go from one mobile home to the other mobile home to go to the bathroom. <laughs> So, so holy shit, I look out the window and Mike is on top of her <laughs> on a desk. And I'm like, oh, my God. Now, I am my own, I'm the only one that knows this. OK. Um, I go down the hallway and there's this head engineer. He still he works, uh, I think, in Lansing to this day. His name is Kevin. And uh, um. Uh, I, I said to Kevin, I go, Kevin, something's going on. Uh, and I explained to him what's happening. And I go, um, okay, this is, this is terrible. And he's like, oh, my God. All right. So then I go back to the studio and the phone rings. It's the hotline. And I pick it up. And uh, hello. I just, you just say hello. You know, and and uh, it's Mike's wife. 
And she says, hello, this is Mrs. So-and-so. Is my husband there? So I realize I'm fucked. Because if I say yes, I'm screwed. If I say no, I'm lying. I don't know what to do. And I say, I kind of like, I don't remember what I said. If I said, I think I did say, no, he's not here. Okay. Which is kind of true because he wasn't in the room that I was in, nor was he in the mobile home that I was in at the time. All right. So then I go to Kevin. I go, Kevin, dude, what if she comes here? And he goes, nah, she'll never do that. She'll never do that. And then I'll never forget it because I was turning on the mic coming out of Metallica's Enter Sandman, and Kevin's running down the hall going, she's here, she's here, she's here. And I'm like, oh, no. And the mic's on, and you hear uh, impact of one car hitting another. She smashed her car into someone's car. Holy shit. So this is a catastrophe. And uh, I close the door. I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be like some, you know, an episode of Snap where somebody's going to get killed. And so all I know is I hear glass breaking and I hear screaming. And then I come walking out a minute later, acting like I don't know what's going on. And I open the door and I go, hey, what's going on? And Ferris's shirt is ripped. I think she's tried to kill him. He's bleeding. <laughs> and I go, and he's drunk. And he goes, you know, if you say anything, you're fucking fired. And I go, oh, okay, smile you later. I go back in, slam the door. Holy shit. Oh, my God. So this ends, and then they go, they leave. Mike's wife calls me and says, thanks for lying to me. And I'm like, ah. And so I tried to explain where I was, and I ended up being her, like, therapy for, like, three hours. I'm talking to this poor lady. I felt so bad. Meanwhile, while that's happening, uh, she had gotten a hold of the chick's boyfriend, so he knows what's up. He kicks her out, drives her back to the radio station, throws all her clothes that are in garbage bags on the front lawn. I've got to console her, so I'm consoling her. She's in a production room crying in a corner, and I'm talking to the missus on the phone. I'm doing all of this while I'm trying to do a radio show, Joe. Oh. Yeah, that was at a bowling alley doing a gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, uh, yeah, they, they all, everybody called the bowling alley. Oh, Jesus. My God. Yeah, it was it was pandemonium. And then we had like an all all staff meeting. And Mike I, he saved it. He he uh he fucking hasn't drank since. And yep. he he somehow brought it back. I don't know how he did, but he his what a saint of a wife she was. How about her? You know, I mean, that is really one for the ages. Yeah, I think it took us a few days to get the blood off the windows. <laughs> and in, in fact, I talked to Mike from time to time. I go, look, I say to him, I go, hey, how, how, how's your wife? And he goes, she's fine. She still doesn't like you. I go, what do you mean she doesn't like me? I, 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 I'm the one that I'm the helper. I was, I was trying, I was doing the, all I could to keep that. To keep her, uh, you know, but whatever. It doesn't matter. At this point, I'm just glad that he's okay. Glad he's healthy or healthy and she's and she's doing good. So, but my God, what a time. What a time, Joe. Oh, yeah. I haven't talked to him in years. Yeah. I, I, I go through moments like that where I'm like, I just gotta, I just got, I, I, I have to talk to someone. And that's kind of how it came up with you when I, when I heard that. Uh, well, I talked to you once when I moved back to Michigan and then 
that was about it. And then uh, when I heard you that you that you fell sick, I was like, holy shit, I gotta I gotta get him on. So this is a perfect opportunity. Um, you ended up uh, got out of radio and uh, uh, tell me where your brain is on that. Tell me tell me what you can tell me about all of that because after I left, you remained on on C ninety three for for years. What happened? Well, apparently there are a few things that you can't say to people. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, it is what it is. I've I've dealt with it. You know, I mean, everything, yeah. everything has to come to an end. You know. Yep. Yep. Um, when I left the radio station, they uh, there was a lady by the name of Nancy Diamond who ran oh. the radio station, and she's Nancy still around. She's still around. I believe she's in Flint. Okay. Nancy said, we're going to continue to call the show Joe and the Poor Boy. What were your thoughts about continuing to call the show Joe and the Poor Boy? Yeah, that wasn't the uh, wisest of. <laughs> In fact, it was, if, if you remember, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, Jack that, uh, that uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Jack Lawson was the PD. He, yeah. It, he, his, it was his brainchild, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was him. Uh, if you remember, if you remember, uh, uh, Jack. Jack was the guy that uh, was uh, smarter than everybody. Oh, just, he was a pain in the ass. Just ask him. Um, yeah, he was. He was the one that wanted to. Uh, he, when he, when he first got there, wanted to take the uh, wanted to take the uh, Saturday night show off. The captain. Yeah. yeah, the one with a the one with like a thirty five share. Right. Right. Huh? And I, it's funny. I was just bragging about you uh, before you got on about how how big that was, and no one could explain it. it it's pointless to try to explain why. No, all it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter if you've got two flies fucking on the air, as long as it has a thirty-five share, and it was from beginning yeah. to end. It always had that. And I don't, I'll never understand why he would ever want to do that. You can say what you will about it being stupid or this, that it doesn't matter. I mean, well, so, radio, radio guys, radio guys never got that show and they never will because it, it basically broke all the formatic rules It it didn't, you know, there was no back cell. There was no front cell. There was no, you know, uh, you know, I could basically do what I want, you know, you know, God bless Tom Petty, but Tom Petty didn't belong on Saturday night. You know, you, you want to, you know, you just, it, it was a, it was a show that was done by a radio guy, you know, or, or not a radio guy, but a radio fan, you know, it was just, you know, it was just, you know, given, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be anything, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, if a record, I just uh, got uh, tired of a record in the middle of it. I just stopped it. Stopped it. Stop. I'll never forget it. Uh, that uh, Before I even thought about applying for a job there, in 1991, I was, just to give you an example of what you were dealing with. In 1991, I was at a party at a bonfire and drinking heavily. And you're talking 30, 40 people. And I'll never forget it. It was uh, it was like a, a warrant song or some hair band that we played back then. And it was just noise, background noise. And a lot of people smoking, drinking. And then you started talking before I even knew you. And the room that not the room, the outside area, everybody stopped. And it got really quiet. And so there you are going, ah, 
socks. Why? And you're doing that. And everybody's like, what's he going to say next? And it was, I was like, holy shit. Like a, I mean, how, how is this even a thing? They're, They're not listening to the music. They're waiting for him to do that. And then I was like, wow, that is, that is a command. And, um, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the show. It was set up for people who are doing that exact thing, smoking, drinking on a, uh, on a Saturday night, you know? Right. And, and, uh, I think the key was the people listening, because if, if you remember, I would put, you know, 20, 30 calls an hour on the air, you know, people really think that they, People really think that they could, you know, you could call in and actually talk because I would stop records if a conversation was good enough and and put uh, put somebody on the air. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and, and, you know, it it just kind of from seven to midnight. That was the show. And um, I'll never forget. Oh, my God. I'm following the captain. Okay, I actually would take over for you when I was just a part timer. And man, I tell you what, for like three hours, there was a residual effect of your show with me. And so, I mean, it was to, to get that amount of people calling in was quite a thrill for me, making five bucks an hour. But it was it was absolutely awesome. Yeah, don't answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was the dumbest thing ever. It wasn't meant to be like, you know, it was just it, it was it was just a dumb show. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't any thought behind it. I mean, the voices weren't that good. I didn't, you know, I didn't even make the voice that good. It was no. just, uh, ah, you know, <laughs> it was just an old crabby guy yelling. And Can you tell me what the, um, how, how you got the idea to do it and how like the, the genesis of the whole bit started? Oh, it was real simple. It was like, uh, uh, we talked about, uh, Mike Ferris, you know, that was when, uh, that was when uh, pirate radio started. And I, well, what, if you remember Los Angeles, they tried to do corporate pirate radio, you know, as dangerous as a bunch of guys in suits in a room can be, you know, well, we, Ferris and I were, well, what happened if we used like a real pirate, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just a, ah, you know, kind of a crusty, the clown before there was crusty, the clown. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, uh, and, uh, so yeah, that was it. Incredible. And um, the bird was just me going, ah, you know, yeah, I, Captain Socks, I, I put like five things on a cart and just wrote, you know, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know what was coming up. When, yeah. uh, when, now was it actually Jack who said, all right, I want the show done. Well, Jack said he would see when he took over, he okay. would, he would see that, well, we'll see. We'll talk about the future of the show. And then eventually he just said, okay, no more. No, he, uh, it, it won over because I sold some sponsors on it. And, okay. Well, you got to run a jacket. Yeah. Jack was, you know, one of these, you know, programming guys. He was the guy that, you know, we used to have to fight with Jack to get the, uh, you know, every other station had their morning show in their ID. Okay. You know, uh, um, you're listening to blah blah blah, home of blah, blah, blah. yeah, Joe yeah. and the poor boy in the morning, best rock yeah. all day, right? Not Jack, not uh, not that genius. No, yeah. You know, why would we want to put that in the uh, put that in the ID? 
you know, right. he's the same guy that didn't want to change the name of the show. He was an overthinker. I remember uh, particular, there was uh, just uh, very, a lot of nuanced conversations where a lot of time was spent on really silly, trivial things that could have been spent that time doing something that was productive. He was corporate before corporate was, was really corporate because he was the essence of corporate. We got to study this and we got to, you know, radio is just something you do, man. You don't, you know, well, we got to study, uh, study the uh, concepts and the, the uh, yeah. just do it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You were, um, um, well, you, I don't know of anybody who's ever done this. You would do the morning show. And then, um, you know, as the morning winds down, um, you would then go and sell advertising for the radio station. And for like 30 plus years, you made a lot of people a lot of money. Uh, I've never heard of anybody uh, before you, that has done that, and no one since. Uh, take me through, uh, you know, what, how, how it was working. Because I remember you putting in so many hours, I couldn't believe that you were able to pull it all off. Because you'd go from, uh, you know, four in the morning to seven at night every single day. Well, nobody's been that. Nobody's that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody is. You know, I mean, when when we first started, I mean, it was. It was a small station, so everybody did everything. You know, I I just started off on the mornings by accident. You know, uh, um, Ferris again and uh, his partner uh, at the time, Joe Martin. They they uh, you know Mike at the time was very difficult to work with, and anybody that worked with Mike closely for any length of time wanted to stab him in the heart. Yeah. So. so uh, their their morning show got to that point, so they Ferris uh, was doing something, and he saw me at at a comedy club doing some stand up, and hey, I didn't know that, and well, <laughs> duh, I've been on your staff for a few years. Here. Uh, 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 yeah, I've uh, and so yeah, then the show started. Uh, that's how I started, and. It wasn't until like three or four years into the uh, morning show that they decided to pay me just separately for the morning show. <laughs> they didn't even pay you. No, they just, <laughs> well, was just, but then again, you know, with these mom and pop radio owners, it was, it was the, uh, you know, if you, uh, we were uh, owned, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name. He was an ad ever in advertising in Detroit, but he came Charlie. Up, Charlie, you talking about Charlie? Nope, before Charlie. Okay. He came up uh, to he came up and said, uh, uh, "Hey, the uh, FCC's coming up. Okay, uh, you're you're an you're an American Indian, aren't you?" I said, "No, my name is Volk. I'm German." <laughs> well, if you could be an American Indian for a week, yeah. when the FCC <laughs> is here. 
we would we would certainly appreciate it. Oh, so you got it. So like for the equal employment thing, I guess is that yeah uh, yeah. They, oh. <laughs> so a guy with the last name Volk was. How is that even a, close to being Native American? <laughs> oh yeah, my my real name's Running Water, but uh, yeah, I, well, I I can well. That was about yeah, right. It. You know, so, so yeah. Could you uh, could you be uh, could you be a, a Native American for a week? <laughs> okay, so now it goes uh, Ferris and and Joe Martin, and then Joe Martin and Joe Volk, and then you bring on a young lady. I forget the was it Stacy? Was that her yes. name? Yes. Yes, that, that two men and a babe is born. Okay, so the two men and a babe show happens. Okay, then they got rid of the babe. Well, that and uh, and Joe left uh, to pursue a career in medicine. Then enter Mark Arturi. Oh. <laughs> now Mark is still to this day. He's in showbiz. I was I did a little check in on Mark. He's in Chicago, uh, Chicago land. He used to always say, oh, I'm from Chicago, but he's from Aurora. He wasn't right. from Chicago, he's from Aurora. And, you know, I mean, he was hokey as hell, uh, but whatever. It, it went for a period of time, and then I was going to get out of radio. And then Rick Church was now the program director. Ferris had left, and Rick says, hey, uh, I, be, before you leave, this is what I think we want to do. And you and Rick had kind of, I guess, talked about this or something like that? Yeah, Um you know, and to, to be fair to Mark, I mean, I mean, Ferris hired him without us ever meeting. Yes. Right. And that's that's very rare. That never happens. Here's your here's your new partner. Yeah. And, you know, Mike promised him a lot of things that never happened. You know. Right. Right. He, he was going to he was going to be, you know, the man. He was going to be the when I'm. Well, wait, wait a minute. I'm the man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and. So anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, we talked about it, and bam, right. And uh, so now, when when uh, when it comes to the show, Joe is the big driving force. He's the id of the show. You know, it, there's there's a lot a lot of the uh, almost all of the creative thing about it was was Joe's driving, and Joe would come up with ideas and he'd write bits, and then uh, I was I would try to do voices and things like that, and it just kind of worked. Yes. Um, it, uh, it it even started to click before I started on mornings because I would do the anyhow well impression. And then uh, I had a character called Cecil. And yep. it, was, it was getting traction and it was fun. And Joe um, said, hey, why don't you, we're going to call you and wake your ass up in the morning and you got to do these bits. So, fuck, man, that was fun. I look back on those uh, as just great great times and that's that was the beginning of starting to do mornings was that right all of that stuff that you gave me that opportunity yeah i love i love characters i mean i love uh, you know i your characters were great you know i love writing for characters and the cool thing about it was it was so amateurish you know that you know the the point was we would try to crack each other up <laughs> if if you remember when you you would do george blah blah <laughs> and yes and one day i i decided to do rick mahorn and it was the worst funniest but see but see audiences audiences like that stuff right they, when you they, when you when you break character when it cracks you up right Right when it's 
if it's if it's funny to us, it's funny to them. And really, that's the only test I ever used. Gosh, this is really funny to me. <laughs> now, and that's true. And and when I um, a lot of what I did. I ripped off from the style of radio as uh, uh, George Beyer from JJ and the Morning Crew in Detroit. And um, so I kind of use that as like a, a muse or a template. And in particular, I remember doing that Dirty Ernie character, which is an impression of Ernie Harwell. And one time before uh, I, I wasn't on mornings, you would call me at my house and I was living in Midland. And there was a I, the bit was everything would lead to a long, drawn out story by me that you would like, oh, God, this is terrible. This is so boring. I know it sounds stupid right now, but it was really fucking funny. Trust me. And one moment in particular, I was describing an old an old time baseball player, Joe, by the name of Fuzzy Folger. And the, and the player's name was Folger because I was making coffee as I'm doing it for the morning. And you can hear the can rattling. And then the, these guys start cracking up. And then uh, Marco's, but our, uh, Ernie, are you making coffee right now? And I go, oh, wow, look at that. I, his name's Fuzzy Folger. His name's right on the can here. Holy cow. And it was just ridiculous, man. And then, so everybody's cracking up and laughing their asses off. And that was, oh, my God. I look back. I uh, Key points in my brain are just burned there forever. And I don't remember anything, but I remember those moments because they were right. really, really special, you know? Well, then that's. That's what's lost in radio now because it's all so corporate and sanitized that that it just is is you know yeah and it's 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 remarkable Joe um that that that's kind of what I what I want to get into with you now is um do you think this could possibly just go away what radio yeah oh radio's already gone away they just they're dead they just don't know it yet you know I think that you know until until radio figures out a way to make money um, without like the five or six minute commercial break, they're going to have trouble because again, who in, in today's on demand world, like your podcast here or Alexa or Spotify or all these other, who's going to sit through five, six minutes of, of commercials. I think it's uh, that's a fair point. And I think that if you were to go, let's say you work, you're in the break room at work anywhere USA and there's 20 people sitting there. And if you just blurted out, raise your hand if you've listened to the radio today and then raise your hand if you've done and you could say any any online source doesn't matter what. And that could be TikTok videos, YouTube videos, Spotify, all the things you just said, they'd all go up. And I mean, nowadays outside of the car, people don't even have a radio. Right. Now, right. one of the things that ratings Arbitron or Nielsen did was they allow online listening to factor into the measurement, which I don't know if that necessarily is going to help because I still don't know anybody who is going to go to a radio station on their phone and listen to what's there because of what you just said, those long blocks of commercials. We don't need commercials anymore. No, no. Uh, and until they figure out a way to, to, to make money. And, and again, radio, if, if radio would just go back to, to what it did best, I mean, radio, great radio is local. When you bring in all these corporate people, when you bring in the consultants, when you bring in all those other people, they just, they just ruin it because radio should be a reflection of, of your community. 
and not, you know, I, when, when I was doing the show, you know, I didn't want some consultant in Buffalo to get the show. I wanted the person in Bay City, Michigan to get the show because that's where the, you know, so you talk about Bay City stuff. You talk about Saginaw stuff. You talk about Midland stuff. You know? Yeah, I remember, um, and I think that we 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 worked very hard to try to make that a thing because the news that was big around there, there was a lot of gigantic personalities in and around where we live. There's this gentleman by the name of Art Door, and uh, I, I don't know if Art's still kicking today, but Art uh, was the guy who created the Tough Man Contest. Right. And unbelievable entrepreneur and a he's like a pro wrestling character this guy i mean he is um can i would even say he's feared he's the type of guy who yes you do not fuck with this guy hello nice to meet you you don't say shit negative negative about this guy and um it's those type of personalities that that and and the news that happened around there we would we immersed ourselves in it so that it was almost like it was a utopia or a banana republic. We were talking about the shit going on and, and writing bits about it. I remember there was once one bit you wrote, Joe, because every year there's a harvest of sugar beets. Yes. Okay. And Joe wrote a bit, a pre-recorded bit about a car product that you put on your car called Beat Off. <laughs> Because and the idea was when you're driving on the road and if sugar beets fall off the truck and hit your car, you want to have some beat off on your car. <laughs> and you know, I might still have that bit somewhere on a reel to reel tape around here, Joe. Yeah, it wasn't rocket science. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, because you would leave me the scripts for these for these bits, and I'm like, I, I, and you you would actually hand write it pen and paper with, with the lines. I'm like, Oh my God, this is fucking unbelievable. So then Joe would actually write a bit and I would go and make it. That was the process. He'd write it. I'd make it. And then while making it, I'd throw in little nuances and things like that. Not, not changing the overall crux of the thing, of the thing. but, and then he wouldn't even listen to the fucking thing. And then he, we, we just put it on the next day. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's, that was, that was great radio. Yeah. God, I, I, I look back on that. I made uh, $22,000 a year, but man, I didn't have a complaint in the world. I loved it. It was absolutely spectacular. Man. Uh oh, somebody's asked. I'm just reading the comments on the side. Is it possible to find old Z93 Joe and the Poor Boy clips? Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder. I have, I have all those best of reels in my basement. You do? Really? The reel to reels? Wow. Remember oh, the man. weekly the we did the first weekly best of shows? Yeah, that before, was that was before other people were doing best of shows. Yeah, I that's exactly right. Um and, and it was actual on on reel to reel. Um yes. we had, the, had the old school way of doing it, had to had to edit with a with a tape editor and cut the tape and, and all that shit. It was uh everything was a process, but man, we I can't imagine um, I, I don't even remember when, when radio switched, you know, it seems like it was just almost like a gradual thing. You know, I remember we like made a big deal about because we had CDs. Yeah. Yeah. And then because we had CDs, nobody could smoke in the studio anymore because we were going through three CD players a, a month. 
Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was the thing. We, I remember I would go in there and be cigar smoking there because you'd be constantly smoking cigars. <laughs> do you, do you still smoke cigars? No, no. I, I haven't smoked cigars in a while. No kidding. I guess the stroke thing kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Joe, um, how many people had the name poor boy? I remember there was a dude named Zach right after me. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't last long. No, that was a, a Jack thing. Jack decided Jack decided he was going to hire the uh, overnight guy to do mornings and and he was a uh, he was he was a great guy but he was in just he was in over his head. I can't imagine the stress you would get because I was under a lot of stress where I was trying to fill in for Drew. It was terrible. I can imagine him assuming the name made it a million times worse the amount of shit that you guys caught over that. Well, yeah, that, and he was the overnight guy, so he yeah. wasn't he wasn't very good. No, it wasn't great. Um, so then, uh, let's see, who did we do after Zach? I think we did Kangas. That is Todd Kangas, yes. Yeah, he was doing and, afternoons. I and think. he is he still with the with the radio station? No, no, he uh, okay. went off to do. Uh, he went off to Indianapolis to do some syndicated thing with a woman, and that didn't and that didn't work. And let's see, who after uh, then it was Jay. Um, Jay was working, uh, working, uh, yeah. Then we did Jay and, uh, then, uh, finally Adam, uh, before, <laughs> before, okay, the, before that was it. And then when, when you left the the name of the show changed, obviously. Yeah. And, um, uh, who is, is Jay or uh, is Adam still on the morning show now? I think so. Yeah. I haven't listened. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. Incredible. I remember you and I, used to regularly get on the air with other radio stations <laughs> and, and you would write what I was supposed to say. It was easier for me to get on because your voice is more distinct than mine. People would, as soon as you said, hello, they would know it was you. One gentleman in particular was a man by the name of Johnny Burke. And yes. uh, I've actually, I actually spoke with him years ago. Uh, I, I forgot why he reached out to me. I think he got cut loose and I think I, I talked to him about something. Um, but, uh, we we used to get on there and say nasty shit on the air on these other shows. I think he would put live calls on. Yeah, and and uh, we we had heard through the grapevine that he threw a chair through a wall or some shit after we got out of the air. But, well, and the funny thing was was we when they with all the consolidation, we ended up working in the same building together. Oh no shit! Down the hall, yeah. Wow. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. it was you. And then the folks at IOG and the folks at HNN, everybody was kind of in the same room. It was the same, same building. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Consolidation. <laughs> yeah, my God. There was a time when we put on another radio station called The Blitz. Yep. And, dude, that was the like the one of the first automated radio stations in America, and it actually had an actual jukebox full of CDs. But before that, we actually had to go and put tape and, and pre-recorded tapes on. Oh, fuck. What were they thinking? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, they ran Captain reruns on Monday through Friday. Yes. Oh, Jesus, Joe. Yeah. God, I could I could sit there and talk about this stuff forever. I, 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 I Tell everybody what you're doing now, Joe. You're actually still making money being a, being a sales guy. Yeah, I uh, work for uh, the baseball team here in Midland. I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> okay. All right. You're not, not you're selling selling tickets or or uh, like advertising tickets. Nice. 
Nice. Well, I've heard a lot of great things about that place. It's called Dow Diamond, I believe, and uh, yep. just a, a really great place to work. And I've heard uh, nothing but good things about that. Wow. And uh, now your kids are brilliant. They're both supposed to be doctors. Is that what I'm understanding? What are they What are they studying? No, one is uh, in New York working. He's a corporate guy working for British Aeronautics, and the others uh, others got one more year of uh, med school left. Dude, that's incredible. I, I can't believe it. I remember it. Uh, Jamie was the one that was in the hospital for a long time. Yep. Upon birth. I will never forget it, man. That poor little guy. He was in there forever. Three pounds, one ounce. Wow. The twins. Fantastic. Yeah. Your lovely bride, Angela, has uh, been the been the uh, rock of the family since the very beginning. I'm sure you'll probably agree with that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> She was yeah. great. It, Diana and her worked together at a place, and she still continued to work in that field, right? Yeah, she uh, owns her own business now when, when she's not collecting dogs. Oh, so, you got a few? Oh, God. Yeah. We, we've got four. So do we. Oh! <laughs> that is awesome. Holy shit. So do we. And, you know, if I could get rid of them today, I would. Oh, but, come on. Oh. That's bullshit. You love them. Oh, I'm too old. <laughs> Joe, what about radio, man? What if, what if, Ray, is there, is there any hope that you could get back on the radio? Would you ever even consider that? I mean, what? No. Just, just, no. yeah. I think with social media and all this other noise, first of all, there isn't anybody that would ever put me on. And second of all, you know, I just, I'm just, I'm just too old to deal with the, deal with uh really this and this and oh these people are mad these people are mad i don't care you right. know i mean every our, our favorite hobby now is 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 being offended for for people that uh with stuff that doesn't even affect us you know and uh, i just you know i i'm not saying never but at the same time you know i just you know, I don't even have social media accounts. So, and my, my life got 100% better when I got rid of all my social media accounts. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You know. I can't, I can't imagine what it's like to be that much to, to actually pull back. I mean, anytime I lose my phone for a significant time, I'm like, you know, I, I, I should probably ho hope that it stays lost because I can, I can understand that. I, I don't care what you had for dinner. Social, social media is, is people trying to, trying to justify, justify, you know, their lives, you know, by proving to others when they're really trying to prove to themselves that they, you know, that their life is meaningful and all that. And I don't know, I don't need social media to tell me that my life is, is meaningful or anything. You exactly. Know? Yeah, I can I can see that. I think that there is. Uh, I mean, if you if you if you kind of want to cut out all the distractions, I can totally. See well, it's like coming. it's it's like people post on social media because they want they want affirmation and they want they want all that sort of stuff and or you know people like to post their stupid opinions on social media about things that they don't know anything about. Right. Right. You know, and everybody gets mad about everything, you know, whatever, whatever happened to the concept about, you know, agree to disagree. You know? Exactly. Exactly. You know? Okay. Well, I, 
and I and I and I, I think I fall victim to that too. I mean, I, I know that when I see somebody that says something that I don't like, my my gut reaction is is that is is type of like I I, I don't. It's, I'm kind of like I wish I had a dimmer switch instead of, instead of an on off switch. Yeah, and you know? Uh, you know, I mean, if that's the person's opinion, okay, as long as it doesn't as as long as it doesn't harm me, I don't care. You know, that's, yeah, that, I, I I wish I did that. I but I'm always I'm I'm like the type when I see someone's opinion that I don't like, I always I always have the urge to say something stupid about them, like saying, "Hey, you're stupid," and tell them. No, that, you know, every everybody has the right to be stupid. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it just I I just can't get myself caught up in all that that sort of drama and and that sort of just yeah, you know, it's. It's funny because we were talking about and here's here's the deep philosophical stuff of the day, you know. We we were talking at a at a AA meeting about the meaning of maturity. What the definition of maturity is is when you finally realize that you're not the only person on this planet. That's, yeah. that, that is, that's absolutely true because you then know, you're, that, you're, you're, you're considering others. Right. Well, it's that whole, well, I'm offended. So you need to take this down or I'm offended and you need to do this. I'm offended. You need to, well, mature person goes, mm, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. That's, other people have the, have the rights to, to, to do stuff. And again, as long as they're not in my backyard, you know, taking right. my family hostage. I don't care. You know, go ahead. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, man, I know you're busy. I know that this has been awesome talking to you. And I, I, I'd love to get you back on here to kind of like just, I don't know, whatever, uh, further down the road. If there's anything coming up, I'd love to bounce stuff off you if you're, if you're open yeah. to that. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll be uh, talking starting Wednesday for the uh, next three months. I'll be talking like a stroke victim, but uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, maybe. We'll, <laughs> yeah, that's a perfect time. Talk about you. Good to talk with you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick, this is probably the worst time to ask this, but uh, uh, Carol, the hot babe in the office, alive or dead? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> when, 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 when I left, I haven't talked to any of them. So oh, okay. Gotcha. So, and not because I was mad or anything. It's just, you know what? It's just time to, you know, yeah. you can't relitigate the past. The past is the past. And, you know, you don't even know if you have a future. So you just basically have to play the game that's in gotcha. front of you today. You know, that's yep. the only thing I can do anything about. So. All right. The legendary Joe Volk. You if, you, if you go to Midland, buy a baseball ticket and buy it from Joe. Thank you, sir. All right, Joe, talk to you, buddy.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.